Master Cave in on Powered Trinity. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Hi, and welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey. Today, I have Alana Pratt with me. I listened to Alana's interview with Larry Hagner over at the Good Dad. I keep calling it the Good Dad Project. It used to be. It's formerly the Good Dad Project. I found Alana over at the Dad's Edge podcast. I've known Larry for a long time. A lot of great content there. And she came in and made quite a splash in our community with what she had to bring. I listened to that and went, wow, this is, this is our world. This, these are our people need this to hear this information. Because what we do is foster care and adoption and inherent in the foster care system is a lot of abuse. And I want to talk to somebody who could speak to that specific need. Alana, how are you doing today? Mm, I'm great. And thank you for having me on your show. And I'm so glad I didn't know I made a splash. So that's kind of fun. And uh, it's always great to be willing to talk about a taboo subject and remove the taboo because whatever we resist will persist. But when we can have a different point of view about it and see the gift in it, the growth opportunity in it, then we can change it. So I'm really looking forward to the questions you have for me today. And thank you so much for the privilege. Hey, I appreciate you coming on here. I am pronouncing your name correctly, right? Oh, it's all fine. Alana Banana, but it's, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Canadian, Alana Banana. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we do foster care and we've heard a lot of stories. And I know one particular young lady, she's in her 20s now. She spent from about second grade on up to age 14 or so being sexually molested and raped by her stepdad and his brother. Um, and I know the story kind of deeply because I know I know her fairly well. It's a terrifying story, and I see the the after effects of that in her life, and and the way that that affects her. And I know what we interviewed um, a lady by the name of Heather here. She she was on the on the podcast a while back, and it's called Surviving Abuse in and Out of Foster Care. And she tells a story of like all but one of the foster homes she was in was mm. abusive, physically, mentally, sexually abusive. She was eventually adopted, and the the woman who adopted her joined a cult. When she was being a teenager, like teenagers are, sometimes her adoptive mom figured that she didn't have a physical problem, so it must be spiritual. So she brought the uh, pastor and some of the elders over to the house to help her out, and she would lead them to her bedroom and leave them there. And they would then progress to sexually abuse her from about the age of 13 to 19, I think she said. This is something that exists inside of foster care. This yeah. is something that exists inside of all these these kids who have so much, and then they grow up. And I know you said you don't really you you don't you don't really work with younger kids, but these kids grow up into adults, and then they have all these problems. Yeah. And inside of this dad's group that I'm in, I talk to a lot of guys, and and when you get get them to start to open up and they talk about their wives' abuse and the things that they went through at a young age, we're dealing with this on a daily basis. Hmm. You know, whether you're a, a husband, a dad, you see this in your life somewhere. So tell me, how in the world can you possibly, you know, number one, get somebody to talk about it. And then number two, what do you do with that? Once you talk about it a little bit and you know that somebody's been through something, is there a way for, you know, the average guy like me, you know, the just the average Joe guy who goes to work a bunch of hours every week and tries to take care of his kids and family? Is there a way I can help? Yeah. These are all really important questions and this might be end up being like a series of interviews we do so we can take it step by step because it is deep, intense, and yet it's completely able to heal. So I want to start with our point of view because I'm kind of a science geek and I interview a lot of quantum physicists and I like to prove what I intuitively have discovered over the years, which is our point of view literally creates our reality. If you put on one pair of glasses and you see one reality, and then you put on another pair of glasses and you see another reality, that's like your point of view. So the very first point of view I want us to embrace is that it sounds like mostly these are women who have gone through this that you're sharing. They aren't broken. If we have the point of view, they are broken. We are superior. They are inferior. We are the fixers. They are the, you know, the messed up ones. And we're starting the entire conversation off kilter. Now, I'm not condoning or saying what they went through isn't horrific at all. I'm just saying if we can look at them 
as conscious beings of choice right out of the gate, just like I'm a conscious being of choice, you're a conscious being of choice, we're all conscious beings of choice. We no longer look at them as the victim of their circumstance. And that just that energetically looking at a human and you're looking through the eyes of poor you, I pity you, you're broken, you're a victim, that's not going to help them. If we look at them through the lens of you went through some, oh, can I swear? I'm no, I should probably ask that first. I, I shouldn't. <laughs> That's fine. You, you can okay. lead the way. I have had episodes with and without it. Okay. I'm just like, I, I think it's an appropriate word. Like you've been through some scary shit. Like that's, I think, an appropriate word to use of what they went through. And yet that doesn't make them a victim. The, the whole idea of taking your power back is you need to be bigger than your circumstances. And if we go, oh, poor you, I need to save you, help you, that's disempowering them. And they're never going to get out of the identity of being a victim and grow through it into the victor of their circumstance and take their power back. So that would be like number one. And that's for us seeing somebody, listening to somebody who's been through hell. It's very difficult for us not to pity them, want to save them. Uh, a really simple example is, you know, when your kids are small and you're teaching them how to tie their shoelaces and they're freaking out, it's just easier just to go tie their damn shoelaces and like move on with the day, but to like sit there and coach them and believe in them and say, you got this, even when they're screaming and temper tantruming, like it takes a lot for a parent to breathe, stay centered and not fix I mean, I just remember I had Velcro shoes for many, many years for my son for this very reason, because I was just like, I cannot handle this. <laughs> so that's our job to grow while they also are going to heal and grow. Our point of view creates a reality. So we're not going to see them as victims any longer. We're going to see them as a heart that's been wounded, that just like when you break a bone and then you put a cast on, the bone's actually stronger from having fused back, having been broken. Just like a stained glass window with all the little pieces and all the filament that holds it all together is actually a stronger window than just a pane of glass. So to look at them like you're going to be stronger when you get through this. And I know it and I believe it and I see the grandeur in you. I see the light in you. Like that point of view, without even saying a word, can begin to change everything. So before I go on to step two, um, does that resonate or do you have any questions about that? Oh, absolutely. That resonates because that's something that I deal with. You know, I, I have kids and, and, you know, people in my life who it's really easy to step into that. And you did say something earlier, you know, this, this is not a women's only topic. No, I have a couple guys in the dad's group that I've talked to. I know deeply about their story of abuse. One of them. Oh yeah. He is, you know, he, he's in his, at least his fourth or fifth decade of life when, when the story came to the surface about his, his um, relative who was a Catholic priest who abused him quite a bit when he was a young man. And he totally. hasn't really, you know, dealt with this throughout his family and throughout the rest of his life. And he, he talked with me about it. And I, I go, wow, like this, this, is, this is a universal topic for sure. Correct. Yeah, it's definitely, I have many clients that are men and even gentlemen that I've dated in the past who I think one of the reasons the universe brought us together is that I don't judge. They will be safe. They will be psychologically safe. And I have the capacity and connections to my mentors and my coaches and the ones that I've certified in my business. There's a lot of us who can help people through this. So, um, okay. So that's phase one. They are not victims. You know, shit went down, but they are not victims and it is not our job to save them because they're not broken. It is our job to, to empower them, to see them as whole, to guide them to people who can heal these wounds. And when it comes to a romantic relationship with somebody, I find that when a man um, and a wife or two men, two, two wives, which, whichever gender works for you, I, I love everyone and I believe love is love. So whoever is in the position of wanting to support the other if you go into mentor, father, mother role, it kills the dynamic of that beloved libido, sacred sexuality, and it starts to put um, that superior, inferior role. So I would really point to is recommend that the husband or the wife don't do the fixing, don't do the mentoring, you know, guide them to a professional to take on that role and you continue to be their lover the one that has their back, their safe haven, that sanctuary where you're a listener who seeks to understand, not to fix. And that's another, so I'd say that's like point two. Um, be, be that unconditional, curious listener who seeks to understand, doesn't seek to fix it. Because whenever we're listening to somebody and we seek to fix, we're actually not present. 
we're two or three steps ahead. What do we need to do to, to fix this? Or maybe even to look good or stay safe or get approval. All these other reasons we have, right? When we're not actually present. So practice, mm, tell me more. Wow, I hear you. What else? Mm, you have every right to feel that way. I wasn't there, so I'll never fully understand. And yet I hear you completely and I love you and I'm not going anywhere. You know, these kind of feedback comments rather than jumping over the emotion when they're sharing and going right into fix and change and it's going to be fine. It doesn't help. And it takes away that incredible intimacy and connection that they've given as a gift to the husband or wife that's holding space. So that would be the second point about listening. If I was talking to the person that had been through the abuse, I have a a curious point of view. I believe we were all like little, I don't know, little souls, little angels, little spirits, like flying around, like going, hmm, who should I choose as a mom and a dad? Where should I choose to grow up? And I think we all hang out with God and the goddess, you know, maybe not drinking scotch and cigars, but, or, you know, whatever, (laughs) but we're just having a good old time. We're like, hmm, I think I'd like to learn about forgiveness. And then God and the goddess say, well, well, do we have a betrayal family for you? Or I'd like to learn about strength. Well, we're going to make sure you're abused and feel weak. Super good. And like, you know, the the only way you're going to learn how to find your voice is if somebody squelches it. Otherwise, you're born perfect. You have a perfect life and you die perfect. Like, what's the point of that? So when we have the idea of how we choose to evolve in this life, I believe the universe conspires a situation to give us the opposite so that we can emerge and this part of inside of us can grow and evolve into a better, uh, a better self, the highest version of ourself for ourself, but for humanity. And right now, because of the, the level of human trafficking on the planet and the abuse in foster care as you're sharing, the planet needs some help like ASAP, right? So I believe a lot of very wise, strong, old, badass, warriors of the light souls all said, hey, I'll take on the foster care. Give me, give, me that, give me that role. Hey, I'll take on human trafficking. Give me that role. I'll take on like the sociopathic, narcissist, passive-aggressive husband or wife. I'll take that on. I believe the people that have gone through this abuse aren't weaker. They're actually stronger than the rest of us. They've taken on the darkness to become the light for themselves their loved ones in that, in that arena and for humanity and consciousness. I have deep respect for parents of autistic kids. I think autistic kids actually are appropriately responding to the level of chaos on this planet. I think the rest of us have numbed ourselves out. So I, I have a different point of view about these souls. So when I work with uh, these traumatized um, souls, I don't see them as broken. In fact, I see the opposite that they are massively brave warrior and warrior priestesses of the light here to help us all wake up and really see what's going on in the churches, in the foster care, in the trafficking, et cetera. And so when somebody goes, oh, you're not treating me like a victim, because sometimes being a victim keeps us small and the, the illusion of safe because we get attention People feel sorry for us. We don't ever have to step into our purpose. We never have to step into our grandeur. We never have to let the past go. We never have to risk and shine because we can just stay attached to our story, right? So I'm not going to buy into their story that there's some weakling. I'm going to have compassion, but not pity. And I'm going to show them that you are amazingly strong. Otherwise, how the hell would you have gotten through that? Let's just be factual here. If you're standing before me today, on a Zoom call doing a private session with me, you're badass if you've been all through that. Can we just all agree on that? And they're like, wow. I said, and in order for you to move forward, I can heal the brain and the central nervous system where you check out because of that trauma that occurred. I can heal all of that, but you have to be willing to no longer identify as the victim of your circumstance and not just be a survivor. No, no, no. That's, that's just we just repeat the story over and over and you keep identifying as the victim. No, no, no. We're going to be saying, I'm a thriver. And are you willing to be that? You don't need to know how I'll do the how, but are you willing to let that story go and step into being the thriver who then from wholeness inspires others? Maybe you're going to start speaking at schools. Maybe you're going to write a book. Maybe it's just going to be in your community, but you are literally going to be bigger than your circumstance and all of the light that you actually have the capacity to facilitate and channel through you, you're going to be the facilitator of that light for the planet. Are you ready? And some of them like, bless them for being honest. They're like, no, I kind of, I mean, 
I'm kind of embarrassed, but I kind of like being the victim. Everybody takes care of me. I get to like not have to take responsibility. I don't have to own my stuff. I get to blame everybody. They're like, wow, you're really asking me to evolve and grow up and spiritually mature. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And then when they're ready, we slowly, gently, but profoundly begin the process. And I'm able to integrate all those wounds, not into like airy-fairy, everything's fine, not like spiritual bypass, like truly embody the lesson it was meant to give you to own your stuff, to speak up, to be brave, to be courageous, to let it go, to not have anything that ever happened to your body change the fact that this body is a divine temple because I say so. My opinion is the only opinion that matters. And this is a divine temple. All of these ways of being that I can help people embody, it's not for the, hum, uh, for the weak. It's for brave people. I will admit, brave people is completely possible. And it's a privilege to sit in the dark, sit in the shadow, and, uh, and take people through to the other side. I'm very, very blessed and grateful. You know, I've heard it said a number of times that hurt people hurt people. For sure. And healed people help to heal people. Mm-hmm. And as a foster parent who sees a lot of kids, who talks to a lot of kids who have been hurt in a lot of ways, do you have any ideas about how I can intentionally approach a kid? I mean, because we, we have kids of all ages who've come through our house. We primarily work with younger kids. And that's a whole different world, I know. But, you know, whether you're dealing with young kids or a young adult, somebody that you just happen to know or a significant other who's been through that hurt and that pain to begin to place a, to build, to build a place where they're comfortable healing. Because I feel like that's, that's kind of, kind of my, my job is not my job to fix. It took a long time to learn that because when you were talking about that earlier, not my job to fix yeah, I'm a guy. That's a hard one to learn. But I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're hardwired. But I think my job is is really to build a place where you can begin to heal. And yeah. how, how can, can I or anybody in the audience just begin to do that for someone? Yeah. Um, you can kind of have the visual of sprinkles on top of an ice cream cone of shit. Might like initially look fine, but it doesn't heal any of the core wounds. So don't take on trying to heal trauma within their brain and central nervous system, like get a professional to do that. However, there's a very profound and simple way of communicating that I've been taught over the years called the dyad. And while I gave this gift to Larry um, on the dad's edge with a date night dyad to do with your wife, you can do this with your with your wife, your husband, your your children. And it's three questions, and here's why it's very important, then I'll tell you how it goes down. Kids that have been abused are traumatized, so they leave their body. They can't hear their intuition and instincts because their heart is closed, and they're in their reptilian fight-or-flight-or-freeze brain, and they don't have a sense of feeling safe in their skin or safe in their body, so they're on 100% of the time mayday, mayday. Okay, so in order to begin to get them back into their heart, there's two um, resources I'm going to give you. One, heartmath.org is beautiful heart meditations, totally scientifically proven to get them back in their heart, back into coherence, which brings on their prefrontal cortex, the best of their brain, and it brings on their intuition and instincts. Uh, I was able to speak at their annual con- uh, conference down in Cancun before COVID and lead a meditation with the entire community. It was one of the biggest privileges I've ever had. And so that shit works. So heart math uh, meditations work. And it's for a scientific reason. Part two, the dyad, as I shared before. The whole point of a dyad is it's a way to build safety, intimate connection. I really hope you're enjoying the interview with Alana Pratt today. If you'd like to find her resources, check her out at alanapratt.com. That's A-L-L-A-N-A-P-R-A-T-T.com. While you have your browser open, go ahead and run over to fosterCareNation.com and check us out. There's links to everything we do there. If you'd like to be featured as a guest on our show or have a recommendation for someone who you think should be, hit us up at fostercareuj at gmail.com. Again, that's fostercareuj at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support us financially, you can find us at patreon.com slash fostercarenation. If you don't have any money to spend, that's all right. I'm not mad at you. I don't have a lot of extra money either. But do us this favor. Go ahead and go over to your social medias and share our show and make sure that you mention us to anybody that you know that may be interested in hearing what we have to say. 
In the meantime, don't forget, we drop new episodes every Tuesday morning, and you can always come back and find us here. Now back to Alana. The whole point of a dyad is it's a way to build safety, intimate connection, meaningful communication, because the whole idea of a dyad, when you speak back and forth, all you get to say is thank you. And thank you doesn't mean I under, uh, I agree even. It just means I heard you. I understand. And so this is the structure of a dyad that you could have with anyone in your family who you want to start empowering to return to their heart and know what they know, trust themselves, and feel safe in their body. So it's three questions. I'd put aside about 30 minutes. The first question is five minutes. The second question is five minutes. And the third question is a good 20 minutes. So the first question is, tell me something you like about me. And you get to go back and forth. So if this is with your child, you go back and forth with your child for five minutes. And when the person says, hey, I like your smile, the other person says, thank you. Tell me something about you that you like about me. And or tell me something that you like about me. And the other person would say, hey, I love your, the way you make peanut butter sandwiches. Thank you. And so you go back and forth for five minutes. This begins to build affinity, which begins to open the heart. Wow, they really do notice me. They really do care about me. I never knew they liked my drawings, my, you know, anime drawings. Like you start to really acknowledge one another, bring presence, appreciation to one another. So that's five minutes. The next question is, tell me something you think we align on. A lot of times when kids or a wife or husband um, don't feel safe, it's because they think it's them against the world. And even on some level, them against their husband, them against their wife, them against their parents, because they've never experience someone having their back. Someone pretended they had their back and then stabbed their back, right? So the idea of being on the same team is a big deal. So if you can go back and forth sharing, I think we align on that we really hate mom's meatloaf. (gasps) Don't tell her, right? Like you can have a little joke about that. (laughs) Or I really think we both align on that we love the Avengers. Yeah, thank you. So you go back and forth and you you begin to give the, the other person the experience of, oh my God, I can begin to rest on the inside. Someone really is on my team. Someone really is on my team. So that's for five minutes back and forth. Third question, we'll just keep it simple at this point. Tell me something you want me to understand that you think I may not understand. And the big rule is stay present, listen, and only say thank you when the person is done talking and then switch. And over time, this will be for 20 minutes. The first thing they might say that they want you to understand is something very, you know, surface and shallow. But if you can be a present listener and you can consistently do these diets, like, hey, every Thursday night, too bad, so sad, you're stuck with me, we're going for a walk because I care about you and I love you. And you start to ask these questions, tell me something you want me to understand that you think I may not understand. They might say, you may not understand how scary it is for me every night when I close my eyes how I'd actually rather sleep under the bed than on the bed because it feels safer. And all your job is to say, thank you. Not, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And how can I fit? No, just thank you. And then you as the adult can share something I want you to understand that I think you may not fully understand is how I just wish I could make it all go away and I can't. And it makes me feel helpless and I love you. And then the child would say, thank you. This kind of deep, vulnerable, transparent, honest, raw communication met with 100% honor of just saying thank you is so healing, it's bonkers. And over time on a consistent basis where you don't say, oh yeah, every Thursday, and then you only do it for two weeks and then you like miss it, don't you let them down. You make it law, you make it your word that you will be there for them and they can count on you. And these conversations over time will heal, reveal truth. Because here's another aspect, and this is kind of a sciencey aspect about it. Communication isn't a one-way street. Communication is a two-way street. There's the talker, and then there's the receiver, the listener. If somebody shares something, but the other person is on their phone, interrupting, arguing, justifying, giving reasons, communication didn't occur because it wasn't received without judgment. This communication cycle is only complete when there's a communication and the other one receives it without judgment. Doesn't mean you need to agree, but you receive it without judgment. Then the communication cycle is complete. If it's not received 
without judgment. It stays spinning in the person's mind. And most of us have had those thoughts spinning for decades and it's very busy in there. And the mind spins and spins and it goes into all sorts of dark places. So within a very short period of time, the mind becomes still. And then when the mind is still, what arises is the wisdom of the heart. But if there's literal, energetic, incomplete communications for decades in someone's mind, they can't hear their truth. They can't feel their instincts because of all that energy spinning and spinning. So you, all you have to do, literally the power position is the listener, not the talker. You can be the space in which another awakens, comes home to the depth of their spirit, is able to know something they've never known before, able to come home and trust their intuition. And all you need to do is be an impeccable listener and don't fix and be present and receive even atrocious things that they tell you. Just go, thank you. I hear you. Thank you. Right? So I'm sure you can do that. I know you can do that. That's amazing because, you know, that what you're talking about, the problems in, in the mind not stopping, these are problems I've dealt with with lots of kids over the years. And, and you see them and you see that mind just just constantly going. And, and we have a, a young one staying with us right now. And my goodness, if that little girl's brain would, would slow down, she would be so much calmer. And yeah. and that's that speed of, of thought is what drives her insane, I think, half the time. And it makes her wound up and wild. And she never has a moment where I look at her and I feel like she's calm and comfortable in her skin. Well, the spinning mind, as horrible as that is, is probably better than slowing down and feeling what's happening in her heart and her body. That's probably worse. So that would be stage two, which is around the work that I do with people. When they start to slow down and feel, I've got to integrate and process that energy because you can't get rid of energy. You, can't, you can change it, but you can't create it or destroy it. You can just you know, shift it. And so when the communication happens for a while and the trust is there and the, the head gets emptied, now we can go in and start to drop in and feel those feelings. But who's taught us how to navigate intense emotions? Nobody taught me. I don't know if anybody taught you, but I was a mess. And it was far safer in my estimation from my point of view at the time to just keep spinning in my mind. But now I understand that when you, and the, the best visual I will give you, and it's not necessarily the higher level quantum psychology processes I take people through, but it's still damn effective, is imagining the one who's feeling the feelings when you drop into your body is little you. And you, the observer of the feelings, is big you. And big you, when the feeling comes up, goes toward little you and doesn't say, stop, stop, stop. It's fine. Like, get over it. No, no, no. Quite the opposite. Goes, hey, you have every right to feel this way. I got you. I got your back and I will never let go. And I'm so sorry that in the past when I came to you, I hit you over the head with a two by four telling you to stop it. That wasn't very effective, was it? I'm so sorry. Or I just left you abandoned, just trying to be in a good mood and trying to to have 10 more affirmations and have a better mindset, which doesn't work. If you ask me, it's like sprinkles. So the new way that is quite effective is literally in your minds, I seeing little you, the scared one, when the emotion comes up and then choosing to be the big you and even hold a pillow if that helps so the body sensations can get on board as well. Even rock a little bit. I like kind of side to side rocking. Imagine kissing the top of the head of little you and just again, soothing. You have every right to feel this way. I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm right here and I'm never leaving you. Please accept my apology for the past when I either abandoned you or criticized you. I will never do that ever again. I got you. I got you. And this is what I teach people how to self-soothe, which does actually support them scientifically coming home into their prefrontal cortex. And it rewires the way they manage energy. Same with when that thought comes up and nobody hears it and it keeps spinning. Same with when the emotion comes up. If we don't go towards it and acknowledge it, feel it all the way through, which takes about five or six seconds of like the intense stuff. When the first like big emotion comes up, it'll be there for about three, four, five, six breaths. Okay. One potato, two potato. It's still there. Three potato, little one. I got you four potato. I'm not going anywhere. Five potato. Like it's going to take about that long until that initial eruption begins to soothe. But if you continue to hold little you, affirm, acknowledge, validate, listen, see in your mind's eye, holding that little one safe and sound. You start doing that over time. You learn 
to stay present in the face of a, something that used to trigger you. You learn to stay present in your body when in the, in the past you'd leave and spin in your head. You learn to be grounded. After that, you can bring in energy or imagery from the earth. Hey, Mama Earth, could you come up and hold us while I'm holding this little one in a cradle, in a cocoon? Hey, Father Sky. Hey, the breeze from, you know, from the east. Hey, spirit animals, like whatever resonates with you, like call it in. Who are we to know if it works or doesn't work? If it makes you feel better, do it, right? So call in all these different energies from all the different directions as you're holding little you as the next layers of honor, protection, healing, nurturing, so that these kids or little kids in adult bodies realize, hey, this planet, yeah, there's some crazy crazies on it. And there's a lot of beauty and it's here for me. And there's a lot of good people and they're here for me. And if I'm not ready quite yet to trust people, at least I can go into the forest and trust the trees. At least I can be with the beauty of a garden. At least I can be with the soothing of, of, the, of the ocean. Like learn to let different aspects soothe their body, nourish their body, teach them how to discern and be in charge of who they let in and what they let in. That's empowerment. That's choice. Um, and it's, I think, a safe way to begin with, with Mother Nature. That's very insightful because most of us, I think, do exactly what you're talking about. We go inside, we check out, and we do the important things in life like scroll through Facebook for the next five hours to stop feeling. Yep. Yep. I don't know about you know where you came from. In my generation, we did not learn healthy self-soothing techniques. We were told- no. Yeah, sit down, shut up, it'll be fine. Yeah, we learned to push it away. So I literally um, have been cast in this YouTube show. It's like eight episodes and I'm playing myself. You know, I'm the counselor in in the show. Um, And yet the very first episode, she had gone through uh, various, you know, sexual abuse. And she's a very kick-ass, beautiful actress and, you know, accomplished and all the rest of it. But the very first episode, that's what she started to talk about. You know, as soon as I break up with a guy because it's like a dating show. As soon as I break up with a guy, I just shut it down, push him away and move on. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. How's that working for you? Just fine. Because then I don't have to feel. I'm like, exactly. But when you don't feel, you can't hear your intuition. You can't hear your, you know, your instincts. You don't have access to the amazing creative divine intelligence that is yours. And you begin to make up beliefs like men are broken. The world is unsafe, you know, because you can't know what you know. And that's a scary place to be. And yet when I can bring people home so they can know what they know, they can feel the, the person, mm, they, they might look good on paper, but something's off. I can feel it, right? Or a new job opportunity. Well, it looks really good on paper, but there's something about this company that's out of alignment with my integrity. I can feel it. Or even a freeway. This freeway's safe. This freeway's not safe. Like it could be, or like, what, do you, what does your body want to eat? A little more vegetables today or protein? Like it comes down to everything or that moment where you go for Facebook. It's that pause right ahead of time. Will this contribute to my overall well-being or not? And if you get heavy, like a no, we're back to that place of being a conscious being of choice. Then what would, because I'm in charge and I'm not a victim of my circumstances. Got it. Go for a walk. Okay. I'm going to walk around the block. I'll be back in, you know, 20 minutes. And we start incrementally making better choices for our being, our soul, our body, our finances, our family, um, the world. In my experience, I learned very young age that emotions were bad and I learned how to turn them off. And yeah. when you mentioned learning to sit in your emotions, part of what I've always struggled with personally, and I'll just be a little selfish here and ask this about me, and I'm, I know that there's a million people in this world who struggle with the same thing. Mm. I can turn my emotions off very effectively. I've been put in a few situations where it was necessary. I had to be like ready to, to protect a life with lethal force at a moment's notice. And so in those moments, you need to be able to turn the emotions off. And really dig into that moment and be here and, and all. But at the end of that moment or at the end of your trauma that you didn't get to choose, in order to turn those back on and be able to sit inside of those emotions, that's something I have not personally learned how to do effectively at all yet. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've been searching for a way to do because I know that's an issue for me. When I, when I get to that, that hyperventilated headspace, when my amygdala fires up, let me tell you, you know, there's there's a crocodile in there with a very sharp eye and, and some real mean teeth and, and not a whole lot of kindness in my heart. And it's yes. difficult to figure out how to step out of that role into that, yeah. that thinking space. How would you tell people that they can step into that moment? 
Yeah. One thing about what you said and then a, a solution. So I believe in those moments, we didn't need to turn off our emotions for the best uh, situation. Like I know you said it was like life or death. Courage to me is, is, is an emotion. Bravery is actually an emotion. Reacting okay, maybe we don't want to be reacting, but when we respond, we're not a robot. We're fueled by purpose. We're fueled by mission. We're fueled by love, maybe fierce love in that situation. So it could be a bit of a semantics here, but it's, I want to be sure that when we say turn off emotions, we don't, if we turn off all emotions, then we can't feel love. We can't feel joy. We can't feel bravery, courage. We can't feel any of those like empathy either. So when we shut off fear, we shut everything off. If we shut off emotions, we shut everything off. And I know a lot of men who have been in that situation, who have put themselves into that place. Just a real quick story. We we took a young man to a a funeral once and um, an entire section of the mourners there were all dressed in the same color. This was a, a, a bona fide gang funeral. And I'm there with my wife and this baby and I know what they like to do at gang funerals, you know, in order to, to you walk in, you kick the casket and you shoot the place up. I walked in and I'm not going to say I had a whole lot of emotion besides maybe a little bit of premeditated hate and anger for whatever I had to deal with in the upcoming moment. Right. So I'm walking into this moment going, Hey, this could be really dangerous. Yeah. And I had, and I put myself in that headspace to be prepared for that. And maybe that was not the best way to do it, but it's the way that I did it. It took me probably four or five days until I could really feel anything again. Yeah. Um, you survived, you prepared, you protected yourself to survive. And it's the best that most of us can do. You didn't freak out and react, which would be not helpful. So I think you took a step in the right direction to control and push away the emotions. So you wouldn't react. And yet, as you said, you could see the the mayhem that came after, which you couldn't feel for four days. Um, What's the best way, the quickest way? I'll just give like a baby example. And this isn't, I'm just going to tell you and the listeners, this is not a full-on solution. Um, It's not going to be enough, but it's going to give you a taste of what's possible. In the actual moment, it's very hard to do this because we we react and we've got five seconds to go back into our fight or flight or freeze. But here's here's a quick a uh, couple quick tips. One, when you feel the emotion of fear or anger or shame or something that's not the fun ones arise, if you say to your prefrontal cortex, five, four, three, two, one. So you want to count down. When we count down, the brain goes, what, what, what are you going to do? And then you insert that little, remember how I said little you, then big you, like, hey, we got this. I got you. No matter what's going to happen here, I got you. You're okay. And if you talk to yourself this way, See, in order to, to not have the experience take you over, all four elements of the trauma, the image, the, um, the words, the emotion, the body sensation, all these different elements are going on that lodges the trauma into you. So if you can, in the moment, go, okay, five, four, three, two, one, that's a thought. And then the image, hey, little guy, I got you. And then change your posture. Maybe you want to give yourself a little hug. Maybe you just want to stand nice and tall. Maybe you want to put your hands on your hips. Maybe you really want to make your feet a little wider, like physically, body sensation, five, four, three, two, one. Hey, we got this, right? And take a breath, breathe into your heart. Definitely, definitely, definitely breathe into your heart. Those um, in the moment uh, responses help you from reacting and going to your prefrontal cortex. And you might need to repeat that over and over for a good minute. Five, four, three, two, one. We got this. Hey, we can handle anything. I got your back no matter what. Change your posture. Take a breath through your heart. I appreciate you, little one. Like this kind of mantra will keep the um, keep you going offline. Okay, so let's say you didn't do that in the moment because it was just too intense and now we're, we're after the moment and then we, you're not able to, to feel. Numbing is actually a choice. It's actually an emotion. It's a numb emotion, but it's a choice. And the idea is with your brain to go back and forth and back and forth until you kind of lodge it into presence again. So you go feel the feeling, think the thought. Feel the feeling, think the thought. Only 10 seconds at a time. So let's say somebody was like, that was it. Like, we'll give the funeral example. That was a really scary funeral. I'm like, great. Feel the fear, 10 seconds. That's it. See what you see. Think what you think. Cry. Scream, you know, hit a pillow, whatever you need to do, like all the four elements that I said before image, thought, emotion, body sensation, just 10 seconds. That's it. Then I say, take a breath, shut the door on that. What is the thought that follows that emotion? 
So what, what would a thought be from that funeral? What would, what would one of the thoughts have been right after that when you're feeling? We made it out alive. Thank you. And so then I'd ask the person to repeat it three times. We made it out alive. Well, why don't we just do it? Go ahead. We made it out alive. We made it out alive. We made it out alive. Thank you. And as you think the thought, we made it out of live, what is the emotion that follows the thought, we made it out alive? First thing. Probably a little bit of relief. Relief. Okay, good. So then I'd say, great, feel the relief and just do it right now. And it's just 10 seconds. Feel the relief. See any images that come up. Notice any thoughts that come up. Let the relief bathe and wash through your entire body. See it bathing through your 100 trillion cells and in the space between your 100 trillion cells. Feel the body sensations of relief. Let it make an aura of relief around you. Let that energy spread into your room and into your house. Relief. Two more seconds. Make it bigger. Magnify the relief. Let it just wash over your whole body. And as you feel the relief, what is the thought that follows the feeling of relief? First thought. Really, it was the image of a sunset. Oh, so the thought, so the thought is, I'm seeing a sunset. Yeah, great. Just being in a peaceful sunset, and 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 I guess you know, being in a peaceful setting. Great. So I'm in a peaceful sunset. I'm with I'm with a peaceful sunset or something. Something sure. Yeah. Okay, so say that three times and really see it in your mind's eye as you say it. I'm in a peaceful sunset. Mm. I'm in a peaceful sunset. I am in a peaceful sunset. Super great. And as you see and say, I'm in a peaceful sunset, what is the emotion that follows? I am in a peaceful sunset. Calm. Thank you. So now 10 seconds. Calm. Feel the calm. Let the calmness be bigger, wider, deeper, broader than anything else. Let it bathe and soothe your body. Let it bless your body and your life. Let it bless everyone that you love. Make it bigger. Expand the calm, magnify the calm, absolutely rest into the calm. And as you feel the calm, what is the thought that follows the feeling of calm? There's not a whole lot of thought there at that point. It's kind of quiet. Good. This is the stillness that I was referring to a moment before. So look at that. I didn't take you through the whole process, but that took a friggin' like what? Five minutes? If? Not even. Three? Yeah. Now we're in stillness. So then I would say, great, uh, rest into the stillness, dissolve into the stillness, absolutely merge with the stillness and expand that stillness in all directions for infinity. Let it go into your future for infinity. Let it go into your past. Bless, forgive everyone in your past with infinity, this stillness. Let it expand side to side like angel wings that go on forever, stillness. Let it go up and just clean and purify your mind and lift you up, 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 stillness. And let it come down every chakra in your body, every organ in your body, washing your body with stillness, then all the way down to the center of Mother Earth and lock in, grounded as stillness, you, your deepest essence. And then one more breath, just expanding simultaneously in all directions as stillness. Now, scientifically, We're in your prefrontal cortex, where you have abstract creative thinking. We're in your gut. Your intuition's on again. Your instincts are on again. And your heart is open in coherence and harmony when we're in a, if I measured you, I put a little inner balance thing onto your ear, which is a a device from HeartMath that I use and I help my clients with. We could measure, oh, your coherence just raised. And the cool shit about that is when our coherence level raises, not only can we hear our own intuition, we begin to hear God, the field, the divine, the cosmos. It's conscious. It's a feedback loop. It checks in with our vibration, not our morality, not our what we choose is right, wrong, good, bad, just a vibration. It checks in with your vibration. If your vibration is high and coherent, that's one of love, kindness, compassion, appreciation. And that checks in and it goes, oh, and so it is. And it will give you literally different life circumstances that will align with that higher vibration. But as we all know, when our vibrations are low, like when we started this talk and and we're checking out and we're on Facebook or we're not feeling for four days or we're seeing red and saying things we're ashamed of saying, if we measured that vibration, that is a low vibration. And the universe can all it can say, because it's still doing the feedback loop thing. Oh, and so it is. 
And there's another horrible situation that happens to your life. And that's when we feel like a victim that life's against us when all along we are co-creating with life based on our vibration. And so these are some skills that I'm teaching you today on how to raise that vibration in the face of some really intense trauma. And yet again, no victims here. I believe we've all chosen, remember back to God and the goddess, scotch and cigars, we've all chosen, hey, I want to be a badass. Well, let good for you. We're going to give you a really crappy life where you're a real loser so that you can, <laughs> and taken advantage of, so you can find your strength and your heart and be a noble badass and serve humanity. Fist pump, out you go. Go down and have a great life. So we didn't, we're not victims here. We cho- I believe we chose everything to grow and evolve and move on and then serve. From fullness, serve. As I grow and as I learn, finding ways to serve others. And that's, that's a big part of what this podcast is about is if you had about 12 hours, I could probably get through our whole story. But um, I don't think we have that today. We only have a few I more. have eight minutes until my next interview. <laughs> so yeah, but thank you. But, but we, have been, we have been through a lot of deep stuff in our life. And this is probably a big piece of what we need to, to learn to do. You know, we've we lost our oldest daughter five years ago. Mm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we have been through some some really difficult things in our life. And and to date, we have managed to survive. Our, our marriage has survived through it. And I mean, we have done things that most people can't do. And we, we try to celebrate that on a regular basis. But mm. but there are so many pieces of trauma that we all carry in, in our lives, into our adulthood, into our marriages. We bring our bucket of trauma with us and we pour it on the floor and then our, you know, our spouse pours it on the floor and suddenly we have a mess around and learning to, to clean that mess up with each other without mm. getting messy. Yeah. And I, I would, everything you said I loved except for the messy part. It is messy. Life is messy. Life is unfair and messy. It just is. And it's also phenomenal and magical and blissful. It's everything. Life is everything. When I finally, and it was through like science, and really understanding that life is equal pleasure and pain, equal challenge and support. And that if I want to spiritually bypass and push away all the messy and just pretend I'm in a good mood all the time when I'm not, I'm going to uh, be addicted to things that make me fakey fake high. But if I can lean into the pain and see the gift, and if I can even see the good times, if every single day was happy and great, I would lose the capacity for empathy. I might even become kind of an arrogant bitch. Like, what's wrong with you? I'm happy all the time. Like, it's actually not healthy to be happy all the time, okay? So when we can balance ourselves in that equilibrated, ah, lean into the pain, be grateful for the good times, but it's all for me. Then when we're messy, we cannot resist the messy and we can maybe make a joke about the messy and then we can roll up our sleeves and dive in and do our work so we can turn our, you know, the very worst that's happened to us into the very best. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. I think this mm-hmm. conversation is actually something I needed today. So, Oh, I'm so pleased. The universe does interesting things, you know? The universe is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm certain that you probably have a, a website or a way for people to contact you. I know you worked with you work with clients and those people have to be able to find you and I want them to be able to find you because you've helped me here today. Oh, you are so kind. Thank you. Well, I have a podcast too, Intimate Conversations. It's on YouTube and on every podcast channel. So that's a great resource. Um, YouTube also, I answer people's questions all the time. So that's another great resource at my site, which is my name, alanapratt.com. That's with two L's, A-L-L-A-N-A. P-R-A-T-T.com. I have lots of different books. I have lots of like meditation products as well. And the one I'm most proud of right now, it's called Heart Mates, kind of like Soulmates, but Heart Mates. And there's Heart Mates for singles and Heart Mates for couples. And it's a year-long curriculum that goes through some of the exercises that I've shared today, the dyads, the energetic work, the deep uh, meditations that support you in combining those four elements, the image, the thought, the emotion, the body sensation with little you, all the tools um, that really work with my clients. It's a year-long digital program that I really believe is, is extraordinary for couples. So that's another program. It's $97 a month. So that's something that people can, could consider if that's something they'd like to invest in. 
And then also, if you want to take it to the next level, you're like, no, I, I want to be in like a group coaching with her or like her inner circle and do privates with her or her Alana Pratt method coaches, right? So there's a way you can go to alanapratt.com forward slash connect. And that's how you have an intimacy blind spot breakthrough session with my intimacy success advisor. So the session in and of itself will show you the underlying reason for the challenge. Because if you already knew what was causing it, everybody's here's plenty smart. They would have figured it out themselves and, you know, shifted it, right? So it's rarely what we think it is. It's something underneath. And she's been trained as an Alana Pratt method coach as well. So the session in itself will provide great insight, value, clarity, and direction. And if you feel like, oh, this, this is a fit and you are a fit for the group program or the inner circle, she'll show you the way and get you registered for one of those programs. So lots of great ways to support people. And then lastly, the Heartmates for Singles is also connected to a dating app. And I am launching that dating app on September 15th. So uh, three weeks, three weeks from now, um, because I really believe we need to become the one to find the one. So this is a dating app where you do the work. Everybody's in the Heartmates for Singles year-long program, growing, learning how to communicate, learning how to sit in the fire, learning how to do these dyads, because people are not commodities. They're not discount items on the, you know, sales aisle. And, you know, if it's not working out, you swipe left and get rid of the person. Like, no, people like it's teaching people to be kind and brave and heart open and truly connect. So if you're single and listening, uh, please go, please go again to alanapratt.com. All of the goodies are there. Um, and, and join us as we launch into Heartmates dating app. So I can support those heart mate relationships on the planet for humanity and for our families. Well, that all sounds amazing, except for the last one, because, well, my wife of 20 years would be upset if I was interested. No, no, no. it's not an Ashley Madison thing. No, no, you're not allowed to come. You can do the couples, heartmates for couples. You're not allowed anywhere near. But just in case some listeners were single, I'm single, so I'd, you never know. So, um, But yes, you, you just stay with the couples ones. Thank you very much. I don't want to get in trouble with your wife. <laughs> Me either. Who knows how to swing a frying pan, you know. Uh Uh, thank you ever so much you are so delightful and such a deep listener i appreciate you i appreciate your time today and i know you will inspire some people so Mm. we will talk to you and if you want to come back i'm certain we can dive deeper into whatever pieces of this you have to offer some education to our listeners because this is a deep topic and people need to learn this because we weren't Mm. taught this as kids so thank you no we weren't oh you're so welcome it's such a pleasure all my love to you and to all the listeners thank you so much Goodbye. Bye-bye.